This podcast contains strong language and adult themes, including discussion of suicide and suicidal thoughts. So I was just riding my bike home from the gym earlier and I got to this intersection where I've been hit before. It's this quite tricky intersection because when cyclists are going straight through, cars can turn directly into them if, if they're turning left. And I was waiting for the green light and I saw that right beside me there was a car about to turn left and I just thought, maybe I'll just get that car to hit me. And I imagined it happening, like the, the impact and the sort of explosion of it. Because it's happened before, I know what that impact is like. You sort of explode off the bike and all of your stuff explodes across the road and probably your shoes come off. My shoes came off. So you end up lying on the road in your socks, which is somehow so embarrassing. But I was just feeling so bad that I quite like the idea of this big dramatic incident that would give my feeling bad a reason and even better would be I could wear lots of bandages ostentatiously and everyone would know that I was in a bad way. But I'm so ashamed to be even thinking this because I know people who have been terribly hurt in cycling accidents and it's just such a ridiculous and thoughtless thing to wish even momentarily. But anyway, I cycled a bit further along and I saw this woman walking along carrying a big platter filled with all these little cakes and she looked so happy and so nice with her cakes. I wouldn't have seen that if I'd been hit. So it really worries me how these thoughts of hurting myself or putting myself in danger keep bubbling up. But you know, then they, they bubble away again. Out of My Mind is a podcast about mental health produced for stuff by me, Adam Dudding. In each episode, one person talks about their life and about the view from inside their head. Today, The Paroxetine Diaries, with Ashley Young of Wellington. Before we get into it though, a quick explanation. I originally arranged to interview Ashley at her home in Wellington, but she cancelled because she was going through an especially difficult patch with her depression. But instead she started keeping an audio diary, tracking how she felt from day to day. Later though, we met in Auckland and did the interview after all. So in this episode, you'll hear some of that, as well as some of the diaries actually recorded both before and after we met up. Um, I am a writer of, I suppose, non-fiction loosely and, and poetry. I work as an editor at a publisher in Wellington. For as long as I remember, I've been a bit of a depressed type. I have also, as I've got older, developed a lot of anxiety in the last six months, I've been very, very slowly tapering off an SSRI called paroxetine, which is really difficult to come off and not feel a bit crazy. The last few months have been quite bad, but today I'm actually I'm feeling all right. I'm now basically on garden variety Prozac, which is a lot easier to come off apparently because it leaves your system more slowly. So I've just changed over last week um, on the advice of my GP after I went to her just pleading. I want to see what it will be like without it. So the side effects of medication are really bad, just sweating, 
hugely. <laughs> the sweat got to the point where I actually found it really upsetting that I couldn't really go anywhere without turning into this just liquid ball. It was awful. Also really horrific nightmares. You know, things where I'm like burning my father alive. <laughs> you know, classic. The other one that people often mention and it did affect me was like sexually you just turn into a wooden plank, which has taken its toll a little bit. So I just started thinking last year, I just want to see what I'm like inwardly without medication. So I'm going to see how it goes. Even if you're doing it really carefully, you will still get some adverse effects. Last week I was going to do this interview and I had had about three really bad days which culminated in me um, almost throwing myself into traffic. Yeah, it was a really terrifying feeling. Yeah, I just did not feel safe with myself. It felt like it would have been extremely easy and better if I just wasn't around. So I just was having a hard time staying upright and alive. All of last week, I kept a little audio diary, which I did just with, you know, a pair of budget Apple headphones. Most of them I recorded at the end of the day after I got home from work. I was encouraged by the fact that my mood seemed to get better over the course of the week, and I could see that clearly. So that made me feel a bit more optimistic. It's 13th of December, Thursday, at about 8 o'clock. So today I felt pretty good and stable for the first time in ages. I had a really good morning and I thought maybe this new medication is working out for me. So I, I rode my bike by the sea and felt really good. Um, and then suddenly, just for some reason, I plummeted and I could sort of feel it coming, like... I often think of that moment just before an earthquake hits where you can hear it approaching before it's on you. I was riding home and I just felt a sort of chill. And then by the time I was home, I just felt like a giant idiot, really. An editor of a magazine emailed me about a piece that I've promised to write. And it's now three days past deadline and I haven't been able to write this piece. It's meant to be a a short essay about trees specifically a tree that you really appreciate writing about a tree that I really appreciate feels a bit impossible at the moment so it's a Saturday night Saturday the 15th of December um, I wanted to say a little bit about this new routine that I've got which is uh a daily cold shower, which is horrible, but I've been reading that cold showers, a daily cold shower, or even two or three cold showers a day, can be quite good for depression and anxiety as well. After my normal shower, I will force myself to stand under a full cold shower for anything between 30 seconds and a minute. The longer, the better, basically, and it's horrible. But I have noticed that the pressure or the, the heaviness that I feel on my chest and in my stomach um, when I'm low, I've noticed that after the cold shower that seems to have lifted and that effect lasts for a few hours. 
yeah, I just, I feel this slight sense of vitality or kind of a humming under my skin, which I tend to not feel when I'm depressed. It's made me think of this wonderful book on depression by um, Andrew Solomon, The Noonday Demon. And there's this beautiful line where he says, the opposite of depression is not happiness, but vitality. And he says, my life as I write this is vital even when I'm sad. So, you know, obviously he's writing that when he's well. But it made me think that depression often really traps you in the present moment, as in you can't imagine feeling better ever and you can't remember feeling good at all. So I think what happens in a cold shower, it puts you inside a different kind of present moment, like a less trapped one. So it's a momentary circuit breaker in terms of kind of shaking you out of that numb present moment, the, the moment that you feel trapped in. Yeah, I, I've been feeling a bit better. Not great, but definitely less frantic. And I wonder if this different medication is smoothing out my edges a little bit. Or maybe it's just all of the cold showers. I do have a gripe about something. And it is, why is it so hard to cut a pill up into little bits? So I went and got a pill cutter from the chemist today. It's one of those cutters for old folks that says it's good for people with unsteady hands. And I got it because I'd been trying unsuccessfully to cut my pill into precise quarters and just finding it would sort of explode into powder. But the pill cutter is even worse. The whole thing just disintegrates into little shards. So um, my tapering is probably not very accurate. So it's Sunday, 16th of December. I've just been for a big walk up to the turbine in Brooklyn, uh, which is about an hour and a half or so. So tomorrow I am going up to Auckland to record some of this podcast and I know that I'll need to have a relatively coherent story about myself so when I was walking today I was trying to sort out in my head when things have happened and even just how long I've been trying and failing to untangle my brain I guess. With depression and anxiety, it's really difficult to pinpoint where it started and how it proceeded because for as long as I remember it's been a kind of ever-present, almost electrical hum and sometimes it builds up to more like a stadium roar or sometimes it just feels like it's almost gravitational or it's replaced gravity in that just being alive and moving around on the earth is to feel like this. So in other words, I think these feelings are just kind of sewn into my brain's fabric, which sounds really melodramatic, but that's the only way I can think to explain it. So I'm just really nervous. I think trying to sort out your own story and then be able to tell it is, is really hard. And I have to be honest, I'm worried that people will either say, she's not crazy enough to be talking about this or she's just crazy enough to not be likable or relatable anymore which is quite fucked up to be honest
my name's Ashley Young. I grew up in a small rural town called Tequiti in the Waikato. My mum's a languages teacher at the local high school. My dad co-owned a accountancy firm and I have two older brothers. I think my first recollections of wanting to write are around wanting to make things. I would make little books for a library which was filled entirely with my own stories, which I illustrated and, and stapled up into strange little books, which I would rent out. The early things I wrote were kind of all about pleasing my teachers. I figured out pretty quickly that if you came up with a good simile or a, a story that had a, an interesting plot, then you would be celebrated for it, even just a little bit. Writing, for me, has always just felt like, I have to do it. I don't have any choice in the matter which sounds kind of melodramatic and maybe feeding some kind of myth about creativity. But if I don't write, I actually feel a little bit unwell, <laughs> more, more than usual. So I've noticed on days when I don't write, I, kind of, I just feel a little bit unfocused. Yeah, like I'm kind of falling backwards a little bit. When I was maybe 11 or 12, some friends and I were reading out our diaries to each other from our younger years. And I kind of noticed that all of theirs were about parties and boys and arguments they'd had with their parents. Gloriously entertaining and funny and full of movement and going places. And whereas mine <laughs> were just sort of me like, oh, I went and sat under this tree, just feel so lonely. Like this difference was incredibly stark. Yeah, that was maybe the first moment I became conscious that I was perhaps wired a little bit differently. There was a time when I was maybe about 16, and I remember it really vividly. I remember looking into the mirror, and I just became aware of a voice, kind of maybe my inner voice, and it just said, you're going to die soon. You're fucked. <laughs> like, this is it for you. You're going to die pretty soon. I think that's the first time I remember this kind of very um, spiky, belligerent voice inside me spelling out my doom. And ever since then, I've had this quite shouty, just uh, a really conniving kind of voice. I think this is a really common thing for people who suffer with mental illness, whether their voice actually articulates words or whether it's like a, an electrical hum in the background just grumbling away. But mine, yeah, every so often it gets very loud and very, very articulate and very compelling. It's not acoustically present, but it's really insistent. It cannot be suppressed easily. It wasn't too long after that that I made a very messy and pretty shambolic attempt to kill myself, which, of course, retrospectively, I can see was plainly the proverbial cry for help. But I was really miserable, um, really lonely. I had some really great teachers. I learned music. I played in bands, even did some sport sometimes. So it had all the makings of having a pretty normal and happy childhood. It's just for some reason I felt like there was something I really needed that I wasn't getting or I wasn't able to find. And I think what it was was a feeling of being seen or listened to, kind of just like not being in the way. 
and for some reason I haven't been able to shake that. So even many years later, when suddenly people seem interested in what I have to say, terrifyingly, if anything, that draws even more attention to the fact that I didn't have that when I was little, which is, uh, it's yeah, it's quite messed up and backwards. In 2016, I published a little collection of essays, and to be honest, I thought no one would read them. The year after that, my book won the Nonfiction Prize at the Ockham Book Awards in New Zealand, which was wonderful. And then shortly before that, I completely unexpectedly won for this book a massive prize from Yale University. And one of the things that makes this prize pretty astonishing is that it's for a massive amount of money before tax. I think it was about 230,000 New Zealand dollars. I had no idea that I was up for this prize. I got an email from someone I didn't know at Yale University and then I thought that was a joke. I thought it was a strange spam item. I rang uh, the number that was given and was shortly speaking to a prize committee in New Haven. Uh, I thought they'd just made a terrible mistake. <laughs> I thought, um, this is not for me. I haven't done anything, really. My book came out of a period of just intense discomfort and confusion and awkwardness and so many little interactions that I had with my family and with myself, of course, and a whole range of people from a chiropractor I was seeing to adjust my spine to friends. The book was an attempt to understand why I felt things so acutely where other people didn't, why I felt the way I did in my own body and being in the world, and why it just was painful all the time, <laughs> a lot of the time. The book is called Can You Tolerate This?, which was actually something that my chiropractor would ask me when he was about to manipulate my neck or something. That just seemed to hit a nerve for me <laughs> in terms of the book's themes, which are about maybe hypersensitivity, just feeling too much. I did not think many people would read it. I thought maybe my, you know, obviously my family would and, and some close friends. I didn't think I would be invited to festivals outside New Zealand on the back of it or that I would have an agent in New York because of it. And I still can't quite fully comprehend what it is that has resonated with people. Is it just that I'm really uncertain about everything and everyone's uncertain about everything? I don't know. It's wildly confounding to me. <laughs> Wonderful, but, but confounding. Meeting my, my agent in New York and my publisher, that was amazing. Meeting Karl of Knausgaard, <laughs> which was just insane. I also had the opportunity to take part in a threesome which I declined and wish I hadn't. So, yeah, a few opportunities have, have come up as a direct result of winning this prize and being published in the States. I guess from the outside it looks like it's been really wonderful, but a part of me kind of hates it, <laughs> and this feels like just the worst thing to say, but part of me just wishes none of it had happened. Thank you.
If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Like, I wish I hadn't published this book. I wish I was still about to write something. Like, that feeling of moving towards something rather than it's happened and you're moving away from it, it does feel like a terrible thing to wish for because it's wonderful to have success and for people to praise you. But because of this voice in my head constantly saying, no, 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 all of that is wrong, they don't know the truth, which is that actually you're a piece of shit. It's almost like all of that praise gives my voice ammunition. When you go to a festival, you sit on a stage and you speak to other writers who are often very famous. So in the middle of an event, when I'm on stage, I seem to be able to shut off my voice. But then as soon as I get off, it's back and it's really strident. The thing that is always so compelling about my voice is that it has this kind of veneer of reasonableness. It sounds like it's really making sense. And as soon as I start enjoying anything or thinking, oh, maybe I did okay, the voice will want to kind of snap me back to reality and say, oh, come on, like, let's be honest, though, really, really, come on. You know you're actually a piece of shit, really, like, come on. (laughs) So it just is trying to persuade me all the time, and it's very wheedling, and it's sort of like if someone kind of sidled up to you in a bar, and they were clearly a bit seedy and sleazy, but they seemed just interesting enough for you to listen to their story. It's a terrible analogy, but, yeah, my voice... When I'm feeling strong, I can quite happily ignore it or try to talk back at it. But it's when I'm feeling really vulnerable that I give it all of my attention and then it's the only thing I hear. I would say maybe from the last 10 years, maybe two-thirds of that time, I don't think I've been really properly well. I've definitely been functioning okay, outwardly functioning okay but inwardly struggling a fair bit. There have been maybe a handful of times when I haven't been able to go to work. I feel actually really lucky that I have a workplace where people are very, very understanding about this stuff. And the other thing I'm very lucky for is I have never had a really severe depressive episode where I haven't been able to leave the house for weeks on end. My biggest thing, and I know I cause a lot of annoyance to people, I cancel a lot of social things that I'd agreed to do kind of at the last minute when I decide, oh, I can't face it. I just can't face it. Depression feels really physical to me. It is something I feel quite acutely in my stomach and my chest for some reason. When it's been really bad, I actually feel it in my face. I kind of feel almost like my face is falling off. I just have this 
very strong gravity pulling me down. Just sort of like being caught in a rip where you were trying really hard to go the other way, but you were just pretty powerless. The other thing I often liken it to is cycling in a really strong headwind. It's just a feeling that it, it hurts to be alive when it shouldn't because you're just walking around apparently having a fairly normal day. But for some reason, it just hurts to continue. And for me, that just manifests as just a feeling of deep grief and shame and heaviness that I can't seem to shake. I've been trying to think lately about how I can differentiate the anxiety I feel from the depression and anxiety feels to me more like this really strong agitation, almost like I just want to pull my limbs off. Anxiety seems to come from inside myself almost, whereas depression feels like it's something on me. I'm constantly trying to think of analogies for it, just because I seem to find that soothing in a slightly odd way. I sometimes think of depression as like a really heavy duvet that I'm wearing around and anxiety is like the cat on top of the duvet kind of sinking their claws in. I have tried a lot of things in trying to feel better. Various medications, various forms of therapy, anxiety specialists for a few sessions, hot yoga, hypnosis. I just felt so silly. Acupuncture, which actually did help a little bit temporarily. Skyping with friends and trying to tell them about my feelings. Reflexology, basically is just having a really nice foot rub. Giving up caffeine, that was awful. I really believe in the power of a cup of tea just as a comfort and a salve. Running, cycling, of course, meditation, saunas, cold showers, more sleep, less sleep, psychiatrist, rolling out sugar completely, craniosacral therapy, which is basically just lying on a mattress and having the therapist move your legs really, really slightly. <laughs> I think that just about covers it. I think the thing that has made the biggest difference for me has just been medication and exercise. Medications pulled me out of really, really crappy places in the past. So I am slightly worried about what happens when I don't have that anymore. We'll see. <laughs> I feel like I made a massive hash of all of that. Of what? <laughs> all of it. What, the, it will mean the whole day? Yes. Yeah, it's been a disaster. <laughs> ah. Uh. Well, yes. Okay, it is Tuesday, the 18th of December. I've just been Googling, I mean, for about the millionth time in my life, how to curb mean thoughts that you have about yourself. It's, yeah, it's amazing how many of the suggestions and all the advice come from business websites so they're all sort of geared towards productivity don't let your self-loathing get in the way of churning out your high quality work and your pursuit of new business opportunities i came across this amazing one which goes the voice of success is constantly struggling to be heard above the loud promptings of the voice of failure the voice the voice of failure this it actually makes me feel weirdly defensive and a little bit protective of my shitty inner voice. It's definitely not a failure. It's actually quite successful in its own way. 
actually. It's good at what it does, anyway. And I'm seeing a lot of the usual suggestions, um, like give your bad voice a name, or visualize it, or even draw it. Use positive affirmations, find a mantra, think of three things you like about yourself every time you think of one bad thing about yourself, which sounds just completely exhausting. Avoid black and white thinking, identify the triggers to your bad thoughts, challenge yourself to start today. These articles all have really bad art and really bad stock photos of just sunsets and starry skies and sort of lonesome figures and fields. I don't know, maybe I'm shallow, but the bad art makes me feel like these articles are written by idiots, which is just very uncharitable. Many of these suggestions just don't seem to apply to me. And then I wonder, though, if that's just my voice talking them all down and kind of telling me I'm too messed up for any of those things to work. But then, like, listen to this. Everyone, without exception, struggles with the negative voice in their head. And before I built the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, I did too. Jesus. Um, so yesterday, Adam and I spent most of the afternoon recording for this podcast and my god, it was it was really hard. I realize I am sounding like a stuck record at this point, but I do indeed feel like an idiot. And it's just embarrassing not being able to talk very well about your experiences. So this morning when I was still in Auckland, I did my classic timeless move of feeling bitterly disappointed with myself after a performance while moping around in a hotel room. To be honest, hearing myself talk about some of that stuff yesterday did make me think, you really are quite mean to yourself in the way you massively downplay your life, and maybe you really do have a problem with accepting a good thing for what it is. But what I find interesting about that is that rather than using that insight like a healthy person would, and saying, yep, I can see this tendency very clearly now, and I can work on that, instead I'm using that insight to flagellate myself, you know, uh, what the hell is wrong with you? You have to enjoy things more. You have some good things and you're squandering them, you ungrateful dick. Hence my, my, my desperate googling just at the moment. So, haven't found anything here today that is realistically going to help me just at the moment. I do seem to have redirected my anger away from myself and towards some dumb self-help advice. So I think that's something. I think that's a small win for today. Okay, it's Sunday afternoon. It's like 3.24pm. I'm extremely anxious today. I can feel it kind of bubbling in my body and making me prickle in my head and in the tips of my fingers and toes and my heart is racing. I also can't really stomach anything. That must mean it's quite bad. I can usually eat. I lay down on the floor for a while in a patch of sun and now I'm just up to my old tricks of googling kind of frantically to find something that might help me calm down a little bit. So. I have just been trying holding an ice cube and then the old traditional strategy of snapping a rubber band on your wrist. Uh, 
Um, I have also just sucked on a bit of lemon. All of these are supposedly, you know, good distractions. I'm not sure, to be honest. I, I don't think any of them have helped. Probably what's helping the most just at the moment is this blanket that I've got, which I'm just kind of kneading like a cat. I'm just having kind of waves of what feels like panic. I'm finding it mildly helpful to just keep reminding myself that this will end soon and it will it will be over. One suggestion I do quite love is this one that you should visualize yourself gliding away on skates away from the pain you're currently feeling. So I am visualizing myself ice skating around in a glamorous costume. Uh, still feel terrible, but at least now I am ice skating, I guess, while I'm feeling it. Thanks for listening to Out of My Mind. If you want to subscribe to the full series or learn more about the people I've interviewed, check out stuff.co.nz slash outofmymind. If this episode has brought up any difficult thoughts or feelings for you, the website has helpline numbers and links to mental health resources. And if you feel like you need help right now, you can make a free call or text to 1737, where you can talk with the counsellor and get some immediate support. The website also has links to Ashley Young's amazing book of essays, Can You Tolerate This? and her new book of poetry, How I Get Ready. Out of My Mind was made for stuff by me, Adam Dudding. It was supported by a Like Minds, Like Mind grant from the Mental Health Foundation. Engineering by Alex Chalkoff at Department of Post, music by Audio Network. My editorial advisor was Eugene Bingham, and special thanks also to Tammy Allen and Katrina Ferguson and the good folk at 2AM Studios in KL. Full credits on the website, and if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review with lots of stars. It helps new listeners find us. See ya.